Welcome back to the Between Breaths podcast. I'm Jacko and I've got a fantastic guest for you today. We filmed it here in the Caravan of Love, aka the podcast studio. It is none other than Leon Busty. He's one half of the Lean Machines and he's one hell of an ultra running machine. Um, you are going to uh, be taken on a journey um, by Leon of his 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 whole i guess career going from in terms of um fitness starting from like boxing him in terms of his coaching what he's done with the lean machines but how lockdown like for a lot of us changed the way we looked at ourselves changed the way that we looked at exercise and he started re-engaging with his love of running which took him from a 50 kilometer made up event for himself from his own house to 250 kilometer events and what he's got planned for later this year even further i'll leave that you can listen to the podcast to uh, to get into that but there's one of the things that i love about leon is the the running is just the tool to learn more about ourselves or himself and the message that I want you to to try to engage with and, and soak up and just sort of absorb for yourself is don't get bogged down in the fact that we're talking about predominantly running in this. Think of it and, and, and think a bit, think wider than that of, of what is what is that thing for you that may or may not be running, but it may be something else. It may or may not even be exercise. It might be something else, but what is it? for you that there's lessons that you can learn from yourself but also from what Leon um, uh, extrapolates out as we get towards the end um, of the podcast talking about the lessons that these types of ultra running events that he's done is lessons in life that transcend way beyond um, a running event so um, I really hope you enjoy this podcast Um, thank you so much for listening thank you to everyone that's given us um, a review um, subscribed or followed or watches on youtube or listens on any of your podcast platforms really appreciate all of your um, your ears for listening and your eyes for watching and if you are um, if you've got a few spare minutes would absolutely love you to give us a little bit of review review rate the podcast it just helps with the um, the growth of it and the spread of it so more people can enjoy it as well and before we dive in just want to thank the podcast sponsors hvmn.com that is um, you're going to get 20% off all of the uh, ketone iq products which is a um, <clears throat> a supplement that i've used to help with brain health brain focus and actually for particularly those listening to this that are endurance methods um, it's a clean energy source and i've used it with my um, own running training building up for um, a new sort of ultra um, event that I've just recently signed up for. This is a bit of an exclusive. Um, signed up for, um, on the 8th of July, I'm doing the uh, Snowden 24 hour, which is going up and down Snowden as many times as you can in 24 hours. Sounds a bit crazy, a bit weird, but it's gonna be fun because you've got the up and then you've got the down, a bit of a metaphor for life maybe. Um, but yeah, we're using the, the Ketone IQ for, for that. Uh, as part of uh, my fueling source, not the only thing, but part of a fueling source uh, for me that I really find um, helpful for those endurance training and events, but also um, I get a low, I, I really enjoy it before sleep. It really helps me with, uh, I've noticed a significant difference in the quality and depth of my sleep recovery. So uh, I'm very 
Thankful to HVMN for sponsoring the podcast and they're very kindly giving all the podcast listeners 20% off the HVMN products. If you go to hvmn.com and the code is JACKO, uh, that gets you 20% off. So the link is in the in the profile, uh, sorry, link is in the bio or the description um, below. That's hvmn.com forward slash JACKO. JACKO in capitals gets you 20% off HVMN Ketones IQ. Come highly recommended from Jacko. So that's enough of the intro. Let's get in to Leon Busty on the Between Breaths podcast. We enter this world taking our first breath and sadly we leave this place taking our last. And what I want to do with this podcast is to explore what happens between those breaths. I'm David Jackson, Jacko, and this is the Between Breaths podcast. Leon, welcome to uh, the Between Best podcast, and as I like to call it, the caravan of love. Yeah, it's, it's banging in here. Yeah, I was welcomed it? with a nice warm cup of coffee, so I'm very grateful for that. It's the, you'll be glad to know that you're the first person that's done it in... I've recorded some podcasts myself in yeah, here, yeah. so I've got the podcast. So I'm the first, the first one guess. in the, I've done some in person, but not actually in in the van. Oh, look at that. Thank so, you very much. Um, just give a bit of a... A, a, a rundown of uh, who, who Leon Busty for those one person that's watching that hasn't <laughs> come across the magic. Um, so I'm a personal trainer, sports nutrition coach, and an ultra run specialist coach. Now is kind of like my major area. I've been in the fitness industry for upwards 12, 13 years. I've I'm pretty well known, I guess, predominantly as my duo act with my best friend and business partner John as one half of the Lean Machines. Um, we kind of came up through the usual world in the fitness world and then yeah. we started this weird thing called YouTube and then the rest is history kind of exploded, became its thing and now yeah I'm an uh, ultra athlete as well I guess in my yeah. spare time. Yeah and, well, and the, the, the ultra stuff initially I want to just talk a little bit about that in that your, your journey into it and some of the watching from afar being yeah. like crikey like, is he all right is, well, one is he all right like two like this has gone it, it feels like it sort of cranked up it accelerated quite quickly fast. yeah into like a 250 kilometer yes is that right in the de- like just for people just try and little set timeline the scene for something yeah because even someone that maybe seen some of the lean machine stuff maybe seen some like yeah. Like, oh right, I'd seen more of him doing CrossFit before. Of course. Or what have you? So if I was to do like a basic timeline of the last twelve years, first three years bodybuilding, bro split, guilty, standard stuff, all for, all for the the views, and then all for nothing, all for nothing, all for stiffness. <laughs> it just looked good. All for tra- couldn't, no, trying to undo all that. Couldn't move, and then spent the next four to five years getting injured in CrossFit because of how stiff I was from the bodybuilding stuff, but loved CrossFit. Like I still have, CrossFit will forever have, as deep as it sounds, a huge place in my heart in terms of the way that style of training, functional training, you know, as much as that's now a coined phrase for different reasons with training, but it's, it's fitness, it's lifting, it's skill, you know, and I like all of those things, whether it's, whether the cocktail is right in the right ways for right people and whether, you know, things are always done yeah, yeah. right and all the rest of it is a different argument. But I love CrossFit for that. And then I'm going to say the dreaded C word, COVID. Yeah. 
that changed everything right, okay. because for so long what a lot of people didn't realize with the style of training that i was doing was also my job with yeah. the lean machines being filmed you know we're yeah, filming yeah. everything that we're doing so in in many ways you're kind of tied to it a little bit more than just do i want to go to the gym today or not yeah, yeah. it was a case of our audience and our traction and our sponsorships and relationships were so associated with us doing CrossFit, this huge identity. And then when COVID came, it was like a hard reset. For the first time in my whole career, I'd sat down, forced, I didn't really want to be, but yeah. forced to sit there and go, well, I can't hang out with John now. Yeah. We're in a lockdown, can't do anything. I can only do the stuff that I've got. Yeah. I've obviously got a full gym at home, but I can only do the stuff that I've got at home. What do I enjoy about my life, about my business, about my yeah. training? I evaluated everything. And it was such a cathartic process. It was really, really good for me. And what I realized through that evaluation was not just because of my job, partly as well because since I'd become a father, I'd been a dad for two years at that point, I'd lost all elements of ego in terms of competition. Like, stupidly read ego as the enemy a little bit too literally <laughs> um, and I'd been told I was way too competitive I had too much of a big ego and I always wanted to win and got really f I, I couldn't lose at chess as much as I couldn't lose at a race that I've been training for for 10 years like it, it was yeah. the same feeling of Argh! and that had been drummed out of me for so long that I got to this point where I was like don't care about anything anymore and then I think it coincided with becoming a parent I suddenly went don't care anymore right. and I was on I realized with COVID it was so important in many ways to me because it was this I was at the brink of this place where I feel a lot of guys and girls when they become parents as well can kind of go the opposite way yeah. where I suddenly just didn't care and I could feel myself going down that route of just not caring right. and not wanting so um, in all my wisdom, I thought, well, what can I do to find out whether I, I've still got what it takes to dig deep, you know? Right, okay. And um, I decided to do a 50-kilometer race because I still had a little bit of ego about me. I'd never run a marathon. And I was like, a marathon? Everyone does a marathon. I'm going to do a 50, you know, because I want it to be an ultra. Right. So <laughs> I was like... So 50K was the... 42K is roughly a marathon. So yeah. 50K. So 50K. So anything was the above, first thing that you did. That was the first thing. So I'd done What a, was your background? In, so like when I talk about like I tried to start doing some ultras, I haven't gone as crazy as you, but like I'd played rugby for my whole okay. life and then had a, say, seven years of not really actually worrying about running. So running like, was... Like how good were you at running? You were telling me about your I was a, legs that make yeah, you better. So how I was, good were you at running before doing it? So before I took it seriously, I would run, so my PB was like a, about 17.45K. So I had a fast 5K. That's shifting, for and, doesn't know. And about... That's good. Yeah, that's, that is a, good. That's a good 5K. Like I remember breaking 20 minutes for a 5K and I thought and that's I was huge. King Kong. Yeah. That's fast. Yeah, so I had a, a fast 5K and I had a, and about a 39, 40 minute 10K. So that was like my base and I could run I'd only run like one half marathon race which was like yeah. a, it was a job so I had to run it 
quite slow. But my half marathon, where it'd be like a recreational half yeah. marathon, was about a 135. So it was still a relatively a good, bit higher than average person running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, more Just so, want to, so people like li- like listen, uh, getting the concepts of like if they've never if they're running like a 25 minute 5k. If you're running a 25 minute, do 50k. Yeah, it's not going to be. It's not. It, I was at a higher standard baseline than your average person been a lot so i had done boxing when i was younger so in terms of like 5k running between back then it was like we worked in miles because my dad's old school yeah. um was run, he your coach boxing yeah he used to be a professional boxer oh, so right. i what trained his nickname like the boxing he, boxes. he was actually called the tank because he was a a super middleweight his name's richard buston you'll probably be able to find him and he was a super middleweight when that ca- weight richard category the tank busting yeah which was um a weight category back then the super middle doesn't exist anymore i believe um in the late 80s and early 90s and he's about my height so quite short and um but he's like 12 stone nine so he was like he's just he just looked like a fridge absolutely he looked like a bodybuilder like super super shredded looked completely out of place in the boxing scene of the 80s um and doing like between 5k and 10 to 12k was the first six years of my training so those distances i was fine with and it was part of my conditioning for boxing and then even when i got into the bodybuilding stuff i still loved running as a way to regulate my mental health like for me movement is a good way for me to let my thoughts just flow so i was always running uh, but never took it seriously and then got into the covid thing and, and i could run i'd get up and for me like to get up and go and run for 10 to 15k was fine but the difference was I didn't approach it from a technical aspect. There was no thought process. There was just go yeah. and run yeah. and then be like, ah, my knees are really sore for a couple of days. But you do 10 to 15K started in COVID. Yeah. Start COVID, so yeah. 2020. Yeah, I would when, average. When was the 50K? 50K was June of 2021. So when we came out of COVID. Two years ago. Yeah. I decided to run a 50k, uh, raise some money for Mind Charity because it felt really relevant um, because of the COVID side of things. And I (laughs) starkly realized a few things. First of all, just how much more, I hate the word science, but the more science there was involved in just running. You know, yeah, the amount, than, it can be as simple as it can. just put your trainers on and run like breathing just breathe it, like, it, it's too oversimplified which is why my fascination yeah. and passion has come from yeah, probably very much the oh, same yeah, for yeah. you with breathing yeah. is that I s- swiftly realise you don't just go and run yeah. and you also don't go and ru- try and run 50k at your 10k pace because that falls apart at 25k doing, to 26k a little bit of math on that, that I think <laughs> it's roughly about 5 lots of 10k yeah so how long did it um, not the time matters but just out of curiosity how long did that 50k take it was about 6.5 ish hours I want to say it, I guess. I can't even remember. Where was it? Like how, was it hilly or was it? No, it was, road, it was relative. It was road. Right. So it was from my house. I basically just made a loop around oh, right. my so it local wasn't city. A, it wasn't, it wasn't an, an event, event you signed up for. Right, no. right okay, I'm with you. Because with that, I so wanted... you ran on your own? With my friend who had his girlfriend's bike with a basket in, with my with fueling sweets. strategy, <laughs> of which What's didn't, your ex- didn't exist. How has your fueling strategy <laughs> changed? I got, no, well, I'll come back to it. A we'll lot, back. a lot. We'll come back to um, it. But basically, yeah, my mate just followed me um, 
And I just went out and was like, right, this is okay, what I'm going to do. That. Held my 10K pace until, yeah, we got to, I think, in the first, at two hours, at two hours, I got to 25K, I think it was. And I was like, oh, really good. I'm shifting here. Got to 27K and, and it just felt like I'd been punched in the face. They mm. call it bonking now, where your whole f- where you haven't been fueling effectively right, and yeah. your, your stores yeah. are just gone. And then that's where it started. And then... The sun came out. I got burnt, which is great. Because uh, it started with no sun. Then it got really yeah. sunny. And um, like I say with many things, like I learned more about myself as a person in that last 8K than I'd learned in the previous 10 years. Mm. It was that you got reduced yeah. down to the simplest form of just take another 10 steps and then reassess. Just take another 10 steps, reassess. Oh, this blister's really hurt and I need to think about something else. Let's just try and get to the next half a kilometre. So I was... It's funny what your brain does to It's just... mental, like that. It just kicks in. And, and I feel like if, if I got to that point where I was like, if I train this, this could be a superpower. That thing of where it just has this automatic yeah. response of, let's look at the task of what's remaining and simplify it in a way that makes sense. So turn in, I turned everything, I still do now, I turn everything into sets of work. Yeah. That just works mathematically for me. So I looked at it and was like, at one point I forced myself to stop and try and force out a P, which I didn't have at that point. And we had 6K left. And I was like, I can't mentally compute 6K right now. That could have been 100 kilometers for yeah. me at that point. But what I can compute is 500 meters. So all I was going to do is go and do sets of 500 meters. We'd yeah. shuffle for 500 meters, yeah. walk. Shuffle for 500 meters and walk. Next thing I was at home yeah, and nice. I was changed. There was, that, that was it. That door, you know, you say you walk through doors in life and they, you never come back. And um, during the recovery process, which was long. Yeah, how, how <laughs> did, so, I mean, I remember the first time I did a marathon, I was like, couldn't barely walk the next day yeah, weird was, that was like on the sun weirdly like on the the month it was like i had a really bad day and then i was yeah. sort of all right i was really messed up um like, about three days yeah like for the very next well an hour afterwards i was and i understand it now and anyone who's done ultras will kind of get it as well is it was a deep pain it was a bone pain it wasn't like, doms it yeah. was like my bones hurt like i was like what have i just done to myself and i was and there was an element of fear that's it were you ever worried I've, yeah i've actually done I'd, damage here. i'd i genuinely sat there in the evening and i was radiating so much heat from my knees and my ankles that i was like i've really just hurt myself and then the next day it gets it gets worse before it gets better and um, was hobbling around the house going is this pain ever going to stop and then suddenly things just start to move a little bit and make sense and then that fear aspect drops and I guess in some ways some people then return to their normal life but for me that's where I started to evaluate the more I started to recover it gave me more mental time to be able to look at it and go was it worth it what did I learn is there anything left for me to left for me to explore here and I realized that I was, first of all, a little bit proud, which was great, but I wanted to, I was fascinated by the 8K at the end. I kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it. And I was like, I've never looked at 6K and been that intimidated in my life. And obviously there's so much context involved there, but I was like, 
how can you be that intimidated in that moment by a distance and now only 48 hours later go, I go shuffle across 6, 8K now without yeah. even a thought. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was that connection. Um, <laughs> and just as I was starting to figure out what I wanted to do next, I was contacted by a girl called Hannah who works for UltraX and they do the organized events. Right. So they do everything from 25K. So did she, did she, sorry, did she get in contact because she'd seen that you were doing them? Like, exactly Hold on, that. So, so because of the social like media connection, right, okay. you know, there's always these sort of things that happen. And she just said, I've just seen that you've done your first 50. And I was like, yeah, she's like, how was it? You know, the usual small talk and bits and pieces. And then she said, how do you feel about doing one of our events? Didn't know anything about UltraX at this point. Because again, I was a novice. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, great. She's like, you can come to, she's like, you can come to Jordan with us. You can come to Sri Lanka with us. You can come to Mexico. And I'm going, fucking holiday and yeah, running, yeah. buzzing. Said yes without realizing they're 250 kilometers. So you, so I've done a 50 kilometer. And did you jump? You didn't jump. You jumped to 250 from 50. Yeah. <laughs> so the first event you did <laughs> was it was, was Sri Lanka. Yeah. So that was the first one. And then time and then. And so that was... So if you think so I did... So when was that? So I did June was the 50. Yeah. And then in... Which wasn't an event. That was just one you made up my own you mate with the bike. And then in... Did he bring his bike to Sri Lanka? No. <laughs> I wish he did, though, at times. <laughs> and then in August, yeah. um, I spoke to Hannah and she said, do you want to do one of our races? And that was... Sri Lanka was in March of 2022. So last year. Right. Right? So... At this was point, March, right? yeah. I was like, you had right. a bit of time to train for that, but it's a different. And I brought a coach in, so I am obviously a coach yeah. myself in my own. It's actually, I say right. this is one one thing for people like you're something I respect a lot of things about you, but something you're very open to and, and say and actually do. And actually, it's a just because you're a coach yourself, you don't you're quite happy and seek out other coaches to you help have if to. they've got other specialists. But I don't think that's. I think sometimes. But that's well, ego-wise can make us think, well, I'm the coach, so I shouldn't need it's, a coach. It's, it's the same. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made as a coach, I was lucky I made it early on. Mm-hmm. I made it in the first two years, which was working with people outside of my remit. Yeah. Right? I used to try to, I knew that I could always affect somebody's mood. No two ways about it. Every single person who came to a session with me, I was convinced I was going to make them better yeah. by the time that they left. But... I made the fatal mistake of working with somebody who had a psychological condition that I couldn't manage. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was something a lot more like, yeah, deeply yeah, wrong yeah. with them than what I could, I could manage. And they had um, like borderline personality disorder. And in the end, it blew up in my face and they threatened to sue me. It was really, really bad. They had, and basically what had happened, they'd had this, it was almost like a psychotic break, I guess, an episode where they'd been absolutely fine. We'd started the coaching. They gave me a little bit of an insight. And I had this, you know, when they say, trust your gut, I had this feeling of like, I'm not sure I feel equipped here. But if I just focus on their training and nutrition, I think we'll be okay here. Had like this psychotic episode and suddenly started ringing me up, calling me all names under the sun, told me they were going to, reps like the governing body of of coaching and saying that I was this that and the other and went absolutely mental and I was like I had to get a lawyer in and I was like I'm gonna have to go to court with this brought all of my conversations brought absolutely all of our stuff to make sure that I was as covered as possible and then radio silence 
four weeks later, this person contacted me again and was like, I'm so sorry, I'd had a bad reaction to drugs and this, that and the other. And it was a a real wake up call very early to not one, not work outside your remit. And two, if you haven't got the answers, go and find them. Like one of the most powerful things that I've ever had with clients is when they've asked me something, if I don't know, I go, you know what, I haven't got fucking clue but yeah. I'll go and find out because I'll know someone who does yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like they respect you because you're then human yeah. and I always work in that realm as coach and client it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relationship it's not me dictating from this pedestal yeah. of knowing all and being all yeah. and you're just going to take the scraps it's a case yeah. of we're going to work together and I've had the best results with my clients based on that relationship. So I then just turned around and was like, right, so I'm now the client. How do I get the best results in this 250K Ultra? Yeah. Am I going to get the best results by just getting my head down and think, thinking like I know all the answers when I just completely buried myself and did it completely wrong for the 50? Yeah. Or is there going to be other people who are well within that remit? Right. And I brought on Sam, who's a phenomenal coach, then also as well, I brought on another guy, Luke, who's, he's so knowledgeable in the nutrition world, like I couldn't even dream to have that much knowledge. And I brought those two together and it was a four month prep, which culminated in my first event, the 250, I finished third out of 60 people. Yeah, and, well, I, this is the thing. and I had no skin in the game with, with the ultra world. And how long it, did that 250 take then? Oh, well, so that was, so the confusing thing with that is, um, I always have to add the context here. (laughs) So in total, I ran 204 kilometers because we had one of our days canceled because there was a storm, right? right? Our camp got flooded. Yeah. So we ran four days of the five. um, But on the fourth day, when we got emergency evacuated to a different camp, I went out off my own back and ran shuttles up this road to do with the, the because, 50k because i want well because at that point i knew, we were arriving in the final camp at lunchtime so it was going to be nearly 40 degrees so i knew that i wasn't going to be able to do 50 because the way that it works in the events you run at seven o'clock in the morning right. so you're 30k into the day before the heat comes in right. so i knew if i went out and did shuttles to do 50k i was going to get heat stroke it just was it was yeah. stupid yeah. but i wanted 200 I'd gone out there to get 250. I'm not going home with 188. Right. No, yeah. it's not happening. Right. Like there was still, that's where the ego would come in and right. I was managing it in the right way for it to push me on a little bit rather yeah. than I need to beat this person and beat that person, which yeah. is what it used to be, that dogma yeah. attitude. So we got to the camp and I went out and did a kilometer out, kilometer back for 12K so I could get... That's like the the mind, that's heart, like... That's resilience. But it's bad, it like, it, it's so different, not to take a stuff to track, but like, just running up and down, like mentally is just like... It's miserable. Mind-numbingly, compared yeah. to at least running a... Well, this is the thing, but like, or, yeah. what that... That was almost like a graduation for me in some ways, yeah. that, that, that moment where I was like... They're telling us to stay in the hotel, do nothing, scratch this day off. And yeah. everybody who reacted to it in their ways, yeah. I will never talk down to anyone. I'm yeah, like, yeah. there is not a single person who decided not to run. And there was a couple of people who had like a beer and hung out in the pool and that yeah. kind of stuff because it was meant to be our finished hotel. 
and they were well within their rights because they were there for different reasons. But there was a handful of us that I kind of start, I start, you know, when you're like, you're the instigator. I was the one who said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do some shuttles until I get enough kilometers. And it started in, in the end, there was about 20 people went out, did some shuffling around and they were all so grateful that I kind of encouraged them in yeah. some ways. Yeah. But for me, it was like, I was running up and down and I was like, how far removed in four months do I have training? Do I get from the guy who couldn't even struggle into 500 meter mm. intervals for the final part of a race? That was the only event. It was just that day mm. and it had to get done to being in that situation, nearly 200 kilometers into a run and deciding off my own back to turn around and go and do some unnecessary work yeah, yeah. when I still had another day of racing to do yeah. because it mattered enough to me to get to a certain point with certain numbers. And I was at the front of that decision process rather than following somebody else's lead. And it just felt, yeah, it felt amazing. Like it was, it was such a graduation for my mindset where I, I'd seen where it had got to and it was just crumbled. And then just with a little bit of practice and time yeah. and a ton of effort, it gets to that point where you're like, I, I now became that person where I understand where people say it's a non-negotiable. I said that I was going to do it, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it's not about being selfish and buggering off all of your friends and yeah. family, but it's in the moment when you said that you were going to go there and run five yeah. days back to back, you're going to go and run five and days back to back. You've done all the work. You've done all the practice. Yeah. It feels, it yeah, just, I get it. It's, um, it was important. So then finished Sri Lanka. Um, and it was biblically hard. It was, and I never play it down that it was not the conditions anyone expected. It was meant to be between 20, so give you like average temperatures yeah. for the year, 24 to 30 degrees. It was an average of 38 degrees and a hundred percent humidity every day. The wow. worst part of the event was the fact that at night it was still plus 20. So nobody slept. It's brutal. So I was drinking a liter of electrolyte rich water before I went to bed, waking up like I'd run, feeling like I'd run a marathon, drinking another liter before I'd even got on with my day. Yeah. And it was the it was the fatigue from that side of things mentally because you know how restorative sleep is. Yeah. Um, so did that. That went great. Really enjoyed that yeah. one. Um, but the part that I came back with was it was unfinished for me mentally yeah, yeah. because I didn't do it 250. Wasn't the full thing. It wasn't 250. Okay. And that was where. Can I, I ask. Um, go for it. Just a, some questions around like just the difference between those two first things um, in terms of an, an event you just organized on your own with your mate on his bike and actually being in an event with other people. Because I think mm -hmm. I always find that the. There's a, there's a different um, energy is. around people or me within myself or that type of thing. And I think that that's just it, just the contrast of what that potentially like and how um, you've done one day of 50K as a novice and then gone into like a multi-day thing. I just, you know, the multi-day... It's a different, it's a different kettle of fish, but you've been able to train for it yeah. correctly and just how... So I think 50K off your own back 
and 250k or 200k or whatever as an event they're non-comparable yeah in terms of yes they're both running that's probably the only thing that they have in common in my in my opinion because there was there was a specific reason why i chose the 50 in the way that i did because everyone was going well why don't you just go and do an ultra event i knew that at that moment i still had enough about me that if you put me on a course with a number on my top i'm not stopping i'm not quitting yeah so by doing it on my own i was putting myself in the most bare bones situation where it was like if i quit or I want to quit, I'm allowing myself yeah, to. Which almost makes because it hard nobody's, to nobody's watching, yeah, right? Yeah. So for me, it felt like a much bigger win in that scenario. Right. So it was like, it was all catered. Psychology is it's, interesting. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was all built for that reason because I was like, I want to give myself every excuse to quit to find out how much I've got about me still. Because that's what the test was. I wanted yeah. to know whether I could still dig deep, push on, find out where my point was, my breaking yeah. point. Um, and then when it came to the event, I'd obviously trained more and it was a lot more structured and it made a lot more sense in the prep. But the thing that was hilarious is that I finished Sri Lanka in better condition than I finished my 50. I was going to say, were you in were you the train, training for it being way more effective, actually? It made sense. It didn't run so fast. Yeah. <laughs> Slowed down to run faster, to run further. And my the biggest shift was my run economy changed phenomenally so it's something that i talk about in my run course with a lot of people like the biggest mistakes people make when they've come to me is they've had shin splints they've had impact injuries they've had runner's knee everyone says they've had it band syndrome all these basic things lower back pain one of the biggest things that you can do and it takes you 10 seconds to do it once you've warmed up to run is check your cadence your leg turnover speed yeah. right so my I, my average run cadence was sitting between 130 and 140 and a minimum standard is around 160 steps per minute yeah. so i was over striding causing so much more of like a shunting yeah. stride or impact stride on every yeah. single step so changing my run cadence in itself before some of like the knee drive stuff and different torso angles and bits that we did look at a little bit that in itself the amount of effort a run was costing my body was cut in half. Yeah. So then when I finished the two the 250 in Sri Lanka, I came home and was expecting it to hit me like a bus after a couple of days. I felt phenomenally tired mentally because yeah. the mental strain was harder because it's so prolonged. You're yeah. in this bubble for five days. But physically, the next day I was walking better and then got onto the plane... And I was getting there. It was the plane yeah. that kind of trashed me a little bit because you sat there Stay for there. hours. Yeah. Um, but then one day back home, got on the assault bike, turned the legs over, yeah. got the blood flowing. And then I was looking at the next race and it was, I was ready to go. And then <laughs> we went to the desert. So then the, you said then you're looking at, you were looking at the next thing. Yeah. So is there any conversation? <laughs> Cause I'll give you, you talk about getting on the plane. Like, so, when I'd done a three-dayer last year, the we drove in the camper van. I think we finished. Yeah, we finished on the Sunday. Then we had a ferry booked on the Tuesday. Yeah. To go over to Europe for camper van holiday, and my sister was like, before the event, she was like, um, and my sister's done Snowden Ironman. She knows how to. to she to, knows to put it in. She was like, 
so when are you, and we were staying at hers, she was like, when are you, so when are you leaving? I was like, oh, we're going to change. She was like, um, you might not be able to drive. Like, yeah, you're yeah. probably going to be that. And, uh, yeah, like, it was uh, it was an interesting drive, like jumping in a car or yeah. on a plane and just be, our, both me and Kathy, my wife, our feet, like our ankles were swollen enormous yeah yeah um it was uh yes it was fairly it was uh, i remember when um when i did my 50 the next day i couldn't physically push the clutch down in my car it was hurting that much so it was if when i got into my car i went to push the clutch down i was oh legs are obviously a little bit tired and had to forcefully use my hand so i decided to go back indoors i was like i'm not ready sensible not ready um, but then, yeah, the plane was, was rough in Sri Lanka just because being static when you've got sore yeah. legs is not yeah, ideal. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting, like, and as I said, when you started to actually, you, you know, go on the air, but like just turn the leg, do a little bit of something, like a little bit of gentle movement, yeah. even though potentially we feel like we don't want to, how much it, that helps. Mentally and... you don't want to, but physically you know that it's going to benefit you. Yeah. And that's where you know, the fascination and the passion from it builds and builds and builds because there's so many misconceptions around DOMS. Like, we've been mm. told for years, if your legs ache, leave them alone. Mm. But I think know? it's a bit of a, it's... a lesson in, outside of, like, a recovering from a competition or an ultra, or like, we're just going, like, if you're feeling... Because you talked a bit about mental health. If you're feeling a bit crappy and I'm feeling a bit down or whatever's going on in, like... You just want to stay in bed, or you just yeah. want, and actually, the worst thing you should yeah, do. and you feel better when you actually do. But it can be difficult to get yourself. And this is the thing I like about the these ultra events that I've found is that like you put yourself in that position where you have to deal with that adversity, yeah. and you learn, as you say, you learn so much about yourself. But you learn, yeah, some really like important lessons that you can. It's not for me. It's and, and I get the same sense from you. It's not about doing the thing in the right in the, in the amount of time or winning the race or da, 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 like it's about what you're going to learn through that experience yeah i think i think what a lot of people get wrong when they look at the events that i'm doing and the the type of training and all that sort of stuff and the same as when they go into an event right? i put up a piece of content about this quite recently with with marathons and the marathon blues which a lot of people are suffering from at the moment and I, I say to people, what the marath- so I don't, what's the marathon? So after I'm you've, so much of a novice. So yeah. after you've done your marathon, like when you do a big race, yeah. you've got no motivation to train. You feel a, a mild level of like post race depression I and stuff like that, lose. right? Yeah. So a lot of people get that. I can right. see why you wouldn't actually, to be honest, because we're a very similar mindset. But the reason people get the marathon blues is miscon is a misconception. They think that they feel down because the event's over They're, and the marathon's done. So I now need to go and book another marathon. Yeah. But what they actually miss is that when they really evaluate it is it was probably the first prolonged period of time that they've had in their life in a very long time at least yeah. in the immediate history where they were that consistent and dedicated yeah, to something. That's what I was thinking. Of, so right? It actually the, helps you focus. It's the day-to-day process. It's yeah. like I say to my clients that don't, mourn the marathon mourn the rhythmic process that we've had in place for the last 16 weeks so if you were somebody who was training for the marathon and you were running four times a week you were suddenly setting alarms you were suddenly deciding whether or not it was worth having a drink or not when you go out with your friends or whether it was worth going out with your friends or not because it equated to 
a difference in the outcome of your event, right? Yeah. What a lot of people will really benefit from is going, well, I might not be training for the marathon, but I'm going to keep setting my alarm at seven every, every day because that works for me yeah. and it gets me going. Yeah. And I might not run four times a week, but what I am going to do is going to reserve those four blocks of time yeah. each week and use them for something else productive yeah. in my life. So it's like, I think far too many people see my suffering when I do these events, because I do suffer. I yeah. might do well, but I suffer every single time when I went out for a 30-minute run this morning at half five. I suffered. I hated it. It was horrible. But they see that. They don't see what you gain from it. And yeah. for me, it's... I say to everyone all the same, I'm like, if you want to understand, you have to do. And you have to put the process, the discipline, the consistency in place for a period of time. And then you get the output and the result at the end. Yes, you'll get a medal, happy days, but you won't realize all of the other crazy stuff that you will get yeah. from the process in itself. And that's where all the magic is. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't not um, talk about running and ultra events and not touch on like breathing in terms of it's quite important yeah well obviously you were doing it um how what would your what would your was there any let me try and rephrase it like one thing i love about running is the rhythmical nature of running and it heightens your awareness of your breathing because yeah. it's just there and it has to be there and you intuitively we know that like okay if i can train control of my breathing it helps me just stay in control of my rhythm and my thoughts and things like um, and you know we've we've had some conversations before this around like how breathing can be helpful for various different bits of performance and recovery etc like when you were doing like that 250 like yep. are you mouth breathing nasal breathing aware of it care about it understanding it or, or not so my and you started mouth where does because uh, when did you start mouth taping we were talking about that uh, end of last that, year was that before the two that first 250 or no it was it was after Jordan, um, so it was like, yeah, the 250 in Jordan was in October. I started in like November, December time. And this is mouth taping at night. I'm yeah, at night, yeah. talk about mouth taping during exercise. Yeah, no. Like, I've, gonna, I've got a video it. I want to make that says, that was if it. you're mouth taping during exercise, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> because what if you want to talk? What if you want to have a drink? Exactly that. It was you not fun. You just choose to get but yeah. So um, the breathing side of things, one thing that I've always done, I guess to a certain degree intuitively because of the boxing history i always used to have to wear a gum shield okay so when you're wearing a gum shield and you're biting down on your gum shield you have to nasal breathe to a certain degree anyway yeah. Yeah. to keep everything tight and stay in control so i always had quite a good yeah, yeah. initial connection between nasal breathing um and output but in jordan uh, not in jordan in sri lanka sorry when it got into long runs, I was managed predominantly by heart rate to a certain yeah. degree until like day three, day four, when that fatigue sets in. You're like, oh, I'm doing great. My heart rate's not going up anymore, but you're just fatigued and your heart doesn't want to go up. I would always have like, I call it like, you know, when you leave the, leave the house, you know, I've got my keys, got my phone, got my wallet, that yeah. sort of stuff. I have a check-in process that I would repeat every 10 minutes. Right, okay. And one part of that process was, where am I breathing and can I hear it? Okay, nice. And if I if my mouth was hanging over, hanging open, yeah. and I could hear my breathing, yeah. three really concentrated deep breaths yeah. through the nose. Simple as that. And it would yeah. bring everything back down to a nice rhythmic nice. state again. And generally And that's and that's just from that's intuitive. That's not because someone taught you. Just, no, it just relaxes and, me. Yeah. It's 
It's the same as any time I'm anxious, stressed, I get, you know, I just had a phone call about my van being really expensive. The first thing I do, I get off the phone and go, sounds simple, but as soon as I breathe in through my nose, just a couple of times, it brings me down. If I think like a one to 10, if I'm at a seven, it brings me to a five. And it's the same as when I'm running. Like if I'm having a really rough time in a run and I can feel myself spiraling, something starts to hurt or the fueling hasn't gone right, my heart rate starts to go up a little bit too much or I'm not hitting the zones that I want to, I just take a few deep breaths through the nose and it regulates me. So I've always used that, got that into um, Sri Lanka and everything like that. And there's just on that, there's like, because some people listening might like, we'd often sometimes in the breathing side of things, particularly with scientifically based breathing and Oxford stuff where we get very heavy on um, talking about um, uh, the biochemistry side of it. Of like, oh, well, if he's done a big breath, is, is it what's happening with his CO2, etc. But I think it's a good example to go like, one, intuitively, it was something that you was aware of. Two, you had some basis of like exercising and nasal breathing from the from the boxing as just yeah. a, it was just part of it. Um, but I think that there's we know we mentioned this earlier actually before we were recording that when we na- when we draw air in through the nose compared to the mouth like brain waves are different brain states are different but i think one of the biggest things and simplest things is that like you know you have a phone call that you've got to spend this money on your van to get it fixed it's like thoughts go Ooh, all over all over wherever of like can i afford it can this yeah. and none of those are present moment thoughts and the focus on the breathing is just making us feel present i think it's the 100%. same when we're running like it can be nice to let your mind wander and whatnot when we're running, but at the same time, that, that power of like you have now, to be able to bring yourself presence, back. And, it, and, yeah. the, and the breath, I think everyone can appreciate, like it is that thing that's like, for me, I describe it like it's inside of you. Yeah. So it helps you connect internally, but it's also like it's right there and then. Yeah, I like think we were it's, talking about ice baths, like it makes you go, vroom, focus right it's on It's exactly what's going that. On and now. it's a constant. So you've always yes. got, you know, when everyone thinks about their grounding tools or methods that they want to use i always think the tool is only as good as its availability in the situation or every situation you might find yourself in and i would like to guess unless you're a free diver or something and you're having a shit moment at that point and you're holding your breath for like eight minutes most of us can always be in a situation no matter what if it goes to shit we can go back to our breathing It's as simple as that. It's always going to be a constant presence that you can refer to. So I always think a lot of practical methods that I have, which I will take into my running and stuff like that, where I'm like, I need this, need to make sure that I've got the right muscle bar that I always use. As long as I've got an extra tub of that, I'm happy because it's going to cover me for the whole time. So it's the same as with any grounding thing. If I'm out on a run, I'm like, what can I use that's going to bring me down a little bit. I can't have a Snickers with me all the time because it might be too hot and it might be melted. You know, I love a Snickers. But do you know what I mean? It's like, that's the way that I kind of use the breathing. Um, So I've always been a little bit more dominant nasal than mouth. Um, But my sleep routine was bad in terms of I was more of a mouth breather. Um, So just before going on to that, I think something that'd be helpful for people to understand from from a breathing perspective and it not purely being, um, it's more about good breathing compared to bad breathing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the uh, the mouth gets a bad rap and the nose gets all of the, the glory of what, yeah. what's good. The nose is an organ designed for breathing and all that. 
but I can breathe badly through my nose. Of course. In terms of like my mechanics, bad. And the, but one of the big, big things that people be a, will notice and be aware of, and I think intuitively you feel it, and you will have you've done that by trying to regulate, is the speed of the breath, our respiratory yeah. rate, our speed of our breath is the one thing that stress affects, it wraps yep. up. And when we start to, when the faster our breathing gets, the harder it is to stay in control of it, the harder it is for our mechanics to be good. Yeah. So you're intuitively or whatever it is, knowing to be aware of like, okay, when you said, I kind of hear it, like that's an indicator of how fast it is, because yeah. when it's a little bit slower, it's a little bit quieter, and you're, you're doing the one thing probably that you that's the simplest thing to do in terms of awareness and stay in control of that will help exactly you that, like, yeah. stay in control of the speed of my breath. if i'm breathing too fast and i'm trying to run 250k it's not going to go well. i need to bring it's it's that okay i need to bring my try to control my breathing but one yeah. of the things you might do is the quality how you say that i'm going to try and breathe a bit deeper but you almost might just the pace that you're running at well it's exactly so that to it's stay in a good place the problem the problem that you have in hostile environments if you want to call it that is and this is what caught a lot of people in sri lanka because we weren't expecting the heat when you're 30 40k into a 50 60k day and you're which used to be my only go-to would be well if my heart rate goes too high i'll just slow down and walk when you're facing 38 to 40 degree heat you can't just walk because you're then you're then balancing the difference between managing your heart rate where it wants to be, but your core temperature going up through the roof yeah. to the point where it could be really, really de- detrimental. Well, and just the t- like this, it's one of those obvious things, but the slower you go during these more events, time. it's more time, isn't it? It's yeah. fucking brutal because you get less recovery it's exactly the next that. day. So it's like where I thought breathing was so powerful, and nasal breathing specifically for me, was that it had that regulatory effect both psychologically, but in the data as well. Yeah. I could hold the same sort of pace, focus on nasal breathing for a period of time, and I can see my BPM start to drop. My shoulders would start to relax. Yeah. I would become more fluid. You know, it has a, it has a knock-on effect across yeah. everything in the chain that we're trying to, to work on. So it's, it's something that wasn't costing me a ton of time or causing any more of the risk factors to rise. And it was a really simple process. Yeah. So it just worked. Nice. It was good. Um, so um, we'll come back to that. So the next one was then the desert in, in, in Jordan. Yeah. So I'd originally planned to go to Mexico. And this was, and part of the driver for this sounded like it was because... Unfinished um, business. Unfinished That's business. all I said. Either. I literally, within a week... I was like, I'm really annoyed. Did you have any other? Because that's what I was going to say. When I was so, me and me and the wife um, were driving after um, we'd done the the Ring of Fire, which was a three day where she basically ran about seventy five percent of it with me because I was like, basically needed someone to hold my hand because I was that struggling. And uh, <laughs> the the next sort of day, we're laughing about how I was and blah 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 blah, blah. and she was like. If you, she, she was like, if you do something, like, I am not doing that with you again. She was like, I need you to, because she knows what I'm like. She's like, I need you to remember how bad that was. Yeah. Not in a week's time. Look, look back on it with a, a rose tinted glasses, which which I certainly do um, now. But um, I think like you, 
I think we talked before we went on air, we talked about sort of um, mistakes we make in, in underestimating challenges. Yeah. But I think one of the difficult things is, like, there's nothing really to, comp- like, when you're running, like, 200 odd kilometres, like, it, it's... It's not normal. And, it, but it, and it's also difficult to get a gauge of, like, that. You can't comprehend what it's like unless you're going to go and do it. But yeah. that would be... But then, you, you know what I mean? Like, in training, I tend to think, like, well, my... <clears throat> One thing I wish I'd done is I feel like if you can do, if you've in training or at some point built up to doing sort of half of what you're going to try and do, yeah, your body and nervous system has got some sort of like marker in the sand of like, okay, it, it's like that, but like twice as bad. Well, rather that's... than only having done maybe like, well, if 50 compared to 250, having only done a fifth of it, if my yeah. math is right. It's, yeah, it's not... It's not comparable. Yeah. So it's so the way that I look at distances or my events, like obviously with the one that I've got coming at the moment is is probably quite relevant. Yeah, we want to hear, because, we'll hear about that for sure. But all I, I won't I won't give the give away the ghost too much. But what <laughs> I will say is that the stage that I'm at with that is terror, right? Which is mentally I can't comprehend what I've got to take on. I can't. I'm not there. I'm not even anywhere near c- close. And if you thought Jordan and Sri Lanka was long, you'll understand why. It's... Are you allowed to talk about it? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I, so, so in short, <clears throat> I'm obviously a lot more mathematical than I thought because this is almost five times the distance of the 250s. Did you have any bits, sorry, before we, did you have anything from like the, the wife say or anyone else going like, don't do anything like that again. Do you have any pushback from your um, endeavors? Because it, it does influence our it, loved ones. At the end of the day, they've got to deal with the. My aftermath. wife is wonderfully supportive. Is she a runner at all? Yeah, she, she doesn't understand. She says to me all the time, she's like, You are mental. I don't get it. Doesn't mind running. 5K is her limit. Like, she, yeah, yeah. she doesn't want to do any more. So I finished Sri Lanka, and Sri Lanka went so well. I podiumed. Everyone's losing their mind, going, "Oh my God, this is." I, miss, I remember, your, I remember seeing it on social media. Like, you're like, "Hey, did my first ultra yeah, and uh, everyone two fifty like, came third since we're at." Yeah, That's everyone's like, like, "What has just happened?" So I was like, "Well, first of all, I didn't do my full race, and second of all, I was like, that could be a fluke. I need to find out." So I switch it on his head and go say to the wife, "I'm like, can I do another one?" She was like, "Of course," and she kind of saw it as. You need to get this out of your system. And you ask permission, which is always good. Of course. It, we're a team, you happy know. Happy life, happy life. Yeah, and I'd been as respectful as I possibly could in terms of my prep for Sri Lanka, where, you know, when you when I got to the last block of training, you're, get, you're peaking to get to around 200K in a 10-day period of time, which is the total volume that I aimed for. You can't not allow it to affect the life yeah, so what and your just family give life. us a little that'd be interesting for you, Paul. <clears throat> interesting so, like, to me. so, like a normal what would week? A week, what would a week at that point look like potentially? So, a normal week would be Monday, easy run, hour, hour and a half, distances 10 to 12k, maybe yeah. 15k, depending on the paces that we were working at. Yeah, Tuesday would be a two run day, so in the morning, I'd do an hour easy, so again, another 10 to 12k. Yeah. In the evening, it would be a specific session. So it would be tempo-related interval, maybe a hill session, which is normally between 45 minutes and an hour, yeah. where it's going to be focused work, which is all going to be... 
essentially run training, strength training, is what yeah, we okay, call it. So not rather than, rather than <clears throat> Then on a Wednesday, I wouldn't uh, run, I would just weight lift, so strength training specific. Thursday would Bicep be... Curls? Of course. Have, Thurs- you ever, have you ever been running and been like, I wish I didn't have so much upper body strength? Not, uh, or uh, upper body strength? Muscle like, mass. You, you're not, you're... I'm not anymore, um, but when I, when I started training for Sri Lanka, I stopped training shoulders, stopped training arms, um, and stopped training legs because I thought I was going to get like fire up and stuff like that. Because luckily, but compared to like I've been at events where you like the guys that are at the front, like they haven't got the muscle. Oh, they're fun, tiny. Yeah. But in some ways, the thing is, is like I feel like what we are going to see, and we're starting to see in this hybrid space, is there is a middle ground that works quite nicely. Yeah. So some of my performance my recoverability and bounce back when things go wrong if i twist an ankle or i turn something and something went wrong because i got some muscle mass it actually helped so then we do uh sorry thursday thursday would be the same in the morning uh, an easy hour um in the evening it would be if it wasn't the tempo session on the first day it would be the tempo session on the on the tuesday sorry it would be on the first day or vice versa with the hills then on the Friday, you'd do a moderate run. So it would be anywhere from an hour and a half to two and a half hours. And so then... Like 20K? Yeah, I mean. 20, 25K when we're getting up there. And then on the Saturday, it was always long run. So in the peak peak phases, four or five hours. Right. So we're getting up to... I think my longest my longest long run was about 55K. Right. So And that's off the back of having done a half marathon the day before. Exactly. Yeah. So basically (laughs) what you're working on Sunday rest or not Sunday was rest until my peak week. So on peak week, it was a 10 day period of time. And I ran, I think, I think it was like we did four days. No. Yeah. It was four days, had a break, then ran three days. And then it was like a really short day on the eight, on the on the on the final two days or something like that. So in that what in that scenario, like Wednesday said you did some strength work. Was there any, was that the only there isn't, you weren't doing any other strength work or conditioning work around that. It was all I was doing was preparatory and stuff and post like yeah. rehab stuff. So the typical you know, little loop band, doing some yeah. clams, doing some glute bridge, single yeah. leg, isometric lunge work. Nothing yeah. that was going to cause fatigue because yeah. that's one of the biggest balancing acts. That's really hard, and it's something yeah. that I'm doing at the moment. Which is, you want to be strong, you want to be robust, but you don't want to be sore. Yeah. because it affects output yeah and if you're going into run sore it's not going to help physically and it's not going to help mentally so it was doing enough to tick boxes but i had to understand that i was going to lose some muscle mass and i had to understand that i wasn't going to be as aesthetically pleasing for where i wanted to be because suddenly doing bicep curls and side raises weren't that important when yeah. i was running yeah so that's kind of what it would look like and then yeah I spoke to the wife and and she just said go for it and i said Sri Lanka was flat, about 900 meters of total elevation over the week. And I was like, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If I want to what's find... What's the worst one? What's the worst one, basically? <laughs> and it was Mexico. And it worked within our time frames and everything yeah. like that. So I decided to do Mexico, which was the start of November last year. Started training. Training looked slightly differently, different because there was a lot more up and downhill. So we had to do more strength training. Yeah. Um, and then two months out, they cancelled the event and was like there was some sort of unrest in mexico there was in quite dodgy territory um where the actual run was going to be taking place so at that point i was like i've done two and a half months of prep 
for this event, which you give a lot of time to mentally and physically. And then we were in the camper van driving over to Switzerland, no, Portugal, for a month in Portugal, which was going to be our family family month. And then I was going to get back into it. I was going to have a month off yeah. or holding pattern and then get into a big peak yeah. ready. And then um, Carly went, oh, you know, you said that they'd offered you another race, which was Jordan in the desert. She was like, that week I've got an event before we went. So I was like, that's it. It's the end of it. I can't do it. I wasn't going to then ask my wife to cancel her event. Yeah. And she then got a phone call when we were driving to Portugal. And they said that she got off the phone. She went, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> She's like, if you want to do Jordan, that week is now free, which was in five weeks time. And we were driving meant to, to be, which was perfect in many ways. But I'd done no sand training or beach training. I'd done no like heat exposure training yeah. at all to like just get used to being at heat. And I just said that I was going to be taking a month pretty much out to be with my family in Portugal. And this then meant, this is why she said I want to say it, but I don't. If I was going to be able to do it, I was then suddenly going to have to go into a peak yeah. while we're away, yeah, which yeah, then yeah. meant I was getting up, at, we were living in a camper van. I'm getting up at three o'clock in the morning trying to crack the door of the van open to go and do a three hour run before the girls wake up so then we've got a holiday to have yeah. and then it was it was so hard like yeah. that month preparing for jordan as like a rushed event doesn't work for me mentally anyway yeah. i'm quite anal in is that there any sense. regret on that of like um almost really did it, did it does it ruin it didn't, does it change the dynamic of your holiday or that like? it changes the dynamic it didn't ruin it because i was Maybe very ruins, but it, was diff, not the it right ruined word, it for but. me mentally because i was i was tired all the time and I was thinking about how to get my runs in and where I needed to run. And it was a case of we'd be in a campsite and I have to go and draw a circle on a Strava loop and try and get it to where it needs to be. And I had some really shit runs where I would get lost and the route didn't make sense. And I end up in a farmer's field and all the, all the things, all the juggling things that I can normally do were made really stressful by it just being thrown at you there and then. Yeah, yeah. And I was still trying to be extremely present with my girls because yeah. we were away. So it was more the fact that I was having to pull myself away at times that didn't necessarily matter. And it was, I think in the whole month, I probably only missed free dinners where it was like the girls would make dinner while I was out running. So there wasn't loads of yeah. guilt. Yeah. It was more just a case of, I don't like rushed preps. Yeah. And it was a really, really rushed last minute decision. And it was made easier because BA changed my flights from Mexico to Jordan for like 50 quid. And I was like, all the stars start to align yeah, and you're yeah, going, yeah. oh my God, this has to happen. And then, yeah, the next thing I get back, I'm home for four days and then I'm flying out to Jordan to do 250k run across the Wadi Rum Desert. And how did that go then? <laughs> Fifth. <laughs> out of about 140 people I think oh here's a here's a good question so that you uh, you came third out of 60 and then yeah. fifth out of 100, 100 and, about 140 which is obviously very good congratulations yeah. but it's not about the competition it's about the no lessons. that was but how many how many people what percentage of people finished oh um, Do you know at all or as a I would so in Sri Lanka we lost about 20 25 people I think yeah, my. Mm, it's typically not far off fifty percent. Yeah, fifty percent. We lost a lot. Make the whole thing. Jordan, I don't know because it was such a big group. You didn't notice when people had gone, mm. 
And in Jordan, they had a new rule called the drop back in rule. So they couldn't, they couldn't compete. Yeah, did you have time, did you have time limits? For how <clears throat> was there stages where you had to hit certain times? Yeah, like so it was, I don't know the exact maths because it was different for each one, but I know for Sri Lanka it was two hours per 10 kilometers you had to cover right so each checkpoint is normally about 10 kilometers so you had to be at checkpoint one within two hours you had to be at checkpoint two within four hours and it would be like that two hours for 10k something like that go pretty slow if you need to you can walk it very comfortably whereas jordan it was longer because it was a desert so like on the long stage in jordan for instance which was a 74k day i was out there for just under i was out there for about nine hours nine and a half hours i think it was I left at 5 a.m. in the morning, the second wave. The slowest wave of people left at 4 a.m. in the morning, right? I had come back, I'd had a massage, I'd had my food, I'd repacked my bag for the day, the next day, and I'd slept for an hour and a half, and there were still people coming back yeah. in. There were some people who were out, the, the real troopers of Ultra. Proved, yeah, I know. Yeah. The ones who were there all well, day. This was us on the, I came in third from last at the, on the ring of fire, yeah, and it was like, speaking to some of the people at the front, they're like, yeah. I don't know how brutal it is to like be that slow. They're like, you know, being that slow. Yeah, it's is worse. so but the, long. But when you're like, as like, I'm like, I can't go any faster. No, <laughs> so. it's exactly that. It's it, and and that's where we were. You were at the front. You were the yeah. Well, like I was good on you. So the way it was with Jordan is that I was always out in the. There was a, everyone's got their packs, right? Mm. So there was a pack of around ten of us that pulled away quite quickly within like the by the time i got to the first checkpoint i knew who was in front of me and i had a good idea who was around me was there any point of like knowing that you're quite at the front being like hold on a minute am i going a bit too fast or oh constant paranoia because the top four people were utter savages they they must have been unbelievable you must have been the the i was i was the most novice novice out of out of the from i think there was why i think the thing is that we made it quite confusing is that a lot of people in the 250 realm that might be their first 250 but they're incredible ultra athletes so their transition is is slightly different so you had the the top three guys were they were animals like in my mind i i idolized them they were so so strong what were their biceps like tiny um, <laughs> so i only had that on them and then there was a girl who was four, fourth she came she came in ahead of me as well and i called her the tank she was this tiny little swedish girl that just shuffled yeah. all day she didn't walk a hill she didn't run a hill just everything. she just shuffled it was literally she barely picked her knees up just like this all day like a metronome and she just didn't stop and there was a moment on one of the days where I went past her. I was like, finally, I fucking got it. She keep beating me every day. Got to, it was on the long day. Got to like 55, 60K and I'm in a hole. This is really hard now. Suddenly I hear, if, if that's her, she shuffles past me. Hour later, I can't see her. She's gone. And that's like, it was beautiful to watch. She just had, she was just built for ultra. Have you seen... <coughs> uh, have you heard, have you heard of the dragon's back the one in, in yeah Marseille? have you seen the bbc documentary on that oh i need to watch that it's good there's a lady that um i think comes third overall like yeah and she um and she's just like that quite like stocky yeah i can't remember her name and just like just destroys it but the whole t- always hey yeah 
Yeah, yeah, for or, sure. Or like not never once looked at literally just run like six days of running however far that's, the thing That's what is. this girl was like. Like she 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 barely spoke a word of English as well, yeah. so she was but quite happy, quiet. Like, or... Yeah, so, all right. Yeah. She could be out for a walk, like, just uh, going to get her groceries <laughs> and like, like exactly that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Jordan went very well in that sense. But the the only thing that I was chasing in yeah. Jordan was completion yeah, first yeah. and foremost. And then there's, um, you get different ribbon colors, right? So you get like a standard ribbon for finishing. And then there's a white ribbon if you finish the whole event in sub 30 hours. So over the five days, you do it in sub 30 hours, you get a white ribbon. And then if you finish it in sub 27 hours, you get a black ribbon. And I get to the end of the day four and one of the guys comes over to me, the team, and goes, Leon, it's like, if you run tomorrow fast, you'll get a white ribbon. And I was like, great, I'm obviously going to go for the white ribbon. And it was a four, it was a marathon, basically, 42, 43, three, um, I think it was 43.6K, I want to say. Yeah. And I had four and a half hours to do it in the desert. So I was like, okay. it's shifting for a yeah, marathon. No. At it's, the it's, end of At the end of that. End of that. Um, and I came in at four, four hours, 11, I think it was. Nice. And it was one of the fastest days average pace that I'd had for the whole event. So the performance went really, really well. And just to put it into context, everyone ahead of me got black ribbons. (laughs) That's how incredible they were. They, and that may, that means that they were at least two hours faster than me overall, which is a lot in one day over five days. It's about an average of about 30 to 40 minutes per day. And I, when I finished Jordan, what I had the realization of is the difference between being quite a natural runner and quite anal about the prep where I could get to, which is where I was to bridge that gap from that to a black ribbon performance is I can't do that as a family. Yeah, yeah. I can't just, I wouldn't justify it personally. Like I could have done, but but equally, what would it mean? It would mean, a six, seven month prep with, if I was to do Jordan next year. Oh, so I mean more like specific training. Uh, no, no, not, not specific training. As in you've, you've, you've got it, you've achieved it. Like, what would it mean? It'd be mean like, it, it, yeah. Trying to change it. it didn't, it, there's this weird thing when you do things with what you gain from it versus what you put in. It's the same reason like when I quit boxing, I quit boxing because the feeling of winning didn't feel as good as being punched in the face four times a week for training and the training was so brutal and when I finished Jordan I was broken like it was so hard my feet looked like they'd been two smashed pies I lost three nails two of which were hanging off from the end of day one and then you go and run another 200k on feet like that and I had so much disconnection from my girls that emotionally I was a wreck and I just looked at it and was like, I don't want that enough to, 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 to give up yeah. the amount of sacrifice that it takes to get to it. Yeah. So I do that. Yeah. Well, sorry, because you said at the very beginning, like the first like 50K at the beginning of lockdown was like a, the reason for it was, I want to see whether I've still got that. Like, exactly I that. feel like I'd, I feel like almost like society's told me I shouldn't be competitive. I want to see if I've still yeah. still got them. It felt like Jordan answered be... that. Yeah, I was going to say, well, yeah. I think, yeah. And I came back and I rang my wife from the hotel in Jordan and I was like, she was like, so where are we? I was like, I'm done. And I was 100% done. I was like, 
as it. in I'm not I don't need, no, to, I don't do need to do anymore okay. if I want to it's a different thing I was like but I don't okay. feel the need to do another 250 maybe it's because I know that I don't want to just be if I'm doing it I'm too competitive to be just within touching distance of yeah. the podium but not getting it and I don't want to put up the amount of sacrifice that it takes to potentially yeah. fight for a spot and I felt like I was like I've done the 250 I'm really happy I'm really proud of myself it's been a great year eight months of constant training is a lot for two weeks of work yeah. and I think like the a, a nice concept like a rugby example like Johnny Wilkinson most people have heard of Johnny Wilkinson winning the World Cup in 2003 and he's you know that was like the pinnacle of everything that he was playing his whole career for and he I think it's in his book I've certainly heard him talking about it saying that almost within seconds of the final whistle going yeah he was like oh it's over like yeah. I've done it it's like and just having that having that realize and that doesn't have to be like a that doesn't have, I think that doesn't have to be like a it's not a bad thing it's but not just a realization of going like okay just it just puts things in context again like okay like whether you came first second or third or fifth or third like that's not the thing. Like, no. The thing is the experience and what we what we learn from it. It's exactly that. And I feel like when I came from back from Jordan, the biggest thing that I felt was contentment. And that was something that I probably hadn't felt in that area of my life for yeah. so long. And I felt confident. I felt proud. And I felt competent more yeah. than anything that I was like mentally and physically i'm in the place where i want to be and it makes me and, it, and i yeah. feel good with that everyone's got their balance yeah and then the most peculiar thing happened which i still don't understand why i kind of understand how i guess to a certain degree but so the process post run is you come home and you go into some form of recovery so some easy runs some really high calorie meals and that sort of stuff and I start doing easy 30 minutes on the treadmill just to keep my legs ticking over the following week and this nagging feeling of you need to run the length of the country run the length of the country run the length of England run the length of Great Britain what you, just is there any have you got any the only the only only thing that I can think of at the time is Ned Brockman was running the width of Australia, right? And I was following his story and I was like, this is amazing. I have a friend... I um, interviewed Will Burnett, who did the same thing last year. Oh, amazing. Yeah, from west to east coast. Sick. It's like, what was it, 8,000 kilometres? Yeah, it's, it's, it's savage. So I was watching Ned's stuff and I was like, this is amazing. He was moving a nation. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard, his, I've heard him being interviewed on a podcast like... Yeah insane guy like Ab incredible yeah, absolute yeah, savage yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was just i was just really enjoying his energy at that yeah. time and then i obviously had um a friend of mine as well will goose had done 48 marathons in 30 days and when you when you start immersing yourself and being around people who are doing these things that and they make them feel normal i feel like you open yourself up to that thought whether you like it or not. You know, yeah. I'd done a couple of 250s. I had a bit of skin in the game. And I was like, well, it didn't feel intimidating. It just felt like it could be like, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe go and do Murph the other day tomorrow, which is what CrossFit feelings yeah. used to be like. It just elevated. So yeah. the idea of me running a, the length of the country 
was terrifying, but it wasn't like a not a million years. Yeah, yeah. It just kept flowing. Equally, like probably signing up to like a five hundred k. Yeah, would not probably be that major because you're like you know you can you know that you could do it. Well, this is the thing. It's like if you give yourself enough time and you train in the right way, most the steps have to make sense. Yeah, yeah, so it yeah. was like. I didn't want to do a 500k or I didn't want to run faster because everyone was saying go yeah, and do a 250 do it faster. Yeah, it's yeah. like everyone go and do a sub uh, sub three hour marathon. I'm like, why? Yeah. I don't have any desire to Weird. run a sub three I hour had the marathon. Same thing. First marathon is like, I'd like to do, I don't want to do another one. I don't want to try and go faster for whatever reason. It was like, just didn't motivate at all. But no. like, what it was like, but to run another marathon after this one, like, yeah, it's, That's it's sort of like mind blowing. You just kind of get pulled in the direction that I feel like, in some ways, without sounding too deep, the universe is going to pull you in directions. You do things and it opens up doors. Yeah. You choose to walk through the next one, whichever door it may well be. But I just, I became a lot more connected with how I was feeling and what was coming in and what was coming out. That's cool. And for, it was probably about three weeks before I filmed a clip on my phone that I'm so glad I filmed. I filmed, the f uh, got to the end of it. Once you put it out there, it's sort of like... Yeah, and I didn't put it out publicly. you got to do it. But in, on the 11th, I think it was 11th or 14th of November, I finished an easy run and I just filmed a two-camera piece on my phone saying, I've just finished an easy run and I think I want to run the length of Great Britain and I think I want to do it in 14 days, right? And I made that for reference for when it was going to happen. Okay. Because the thing is, it's like with big events, there's, there is still a little bit of like ownership from some people. They're like, oh, you can't do it if I'm doing it this year, and you can. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like okay. you still. I still felt like I needed to own that idea if I was going to take the responsibility yeah. enough to go and put it out there. So I was like, it's there. Put it to one side, parked it, didn't think about it again for about five minutes, um, <laughs> and then. And then you rave, why Frank, you hold on, what, and, yeah. what are we doing? And then uh, I said to my wife, I was like, I'd like to do that one day and I'd like to do it for a charity because I'd not done any charitable stuff since the 50K. It felt yeah. quite stressful. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I want to do something that, the stuff that I'd been doing has motivated people and it made me feel really good. Yeah. I was like, I'm just doing me and people are coming yeah, towards me through me yeah. doing me. Yeah, yeah, and I was like... Yeah. That's cool. If there's I, nothing better than that. There's or, no, no. It's like you spend your whole time least. as a coach trying to move people with words or with movements yeah. or with ideas. And then suddenly I was in this space where I was just over here doing my thing and people were coming towards me. That's the, that's, so that's the thing that resonated most with me when, you know, you know, my story of like rugby, but then like heavily into calisthenics and then being like, and that identity thing of being like, actually, I actually want to go running but that's not calisthenics yeah, exactly that and then yeah, like yeah, yeah. see i remember you i remember seeing one of your videos on on insta and it was like that notion of like just exactly what you say there just you being you um helps liberate other people give people 100%. permission to like do the yeah. same thing and it's like yeah and that was that was so powerful so then yeah i just tried to keep the the isn't it freeing though for yourself sorry like freeing for yourself and being like Oh, actually, when I'm just I'm just doing me. It, it's it's it's, it's that thing no pressure of, of that though. Yeah, you know it's I mean? like, like that passion purpose thing. You yeah, know, you meet so many people who kind of 
are fortunate enough to be doing a job that earns them money, pays the bills, but they enjoy it at the same time and they were probably doing it whether they got paid or not. Yeah. And like for me, the same with the runs. Like at the moment, I haven't spoken about this too much publicly, but when I first decided that I was going to do Joggle, the length of the country run, I fully committed to paying for the whole thing myself. Like financially, it's probably about 25, 30 grand to be able to do something like that. The amount of logistics involved. Yeah. And I, I said, I was like, I want it sponsored. Christ, I want it sponsored. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, if I don't, I'm going to do it regardless. Yeah. And that was a conversation me and the wife had where she just said, you can do it. You can go for it. I know once she knows we've been together yeah. 12 years. She knows that if I've already, if I'm saying it to her, yeah. it's already in there and it's going to annoy me yeah. and it's going to annoy her and she's not going to hear anything else <laughs> unless it happens, until it happens. So we spoke about it in Costa Rica and then I just found this two week window in this year where it can fit which is the 23rd of July until the 6th of August. That's it. We'll, we'll drum up some uh, yeah. support. I want to try and... Um, match up somewhere. Match up somewhere, yeah. yeah. I'm going to be coming from... I'll be... Should be in North Wales by then. I mean, so yeah. somewhere around... I, don't know, I, I need to look at the route where you come For through. sure. But yeah, there was only a two-week window, realistically, where I could make it fit. There was another two-week window, but it was the week that my daughter starts school because she starts school this year, and I was like, "There's no way you can do that." Oh, so this is some this is school holidays, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah so like, yeah, because she starts in September, so okay. September was a month that originally I was like, "That's perfect. It gives yeah. me long enough to prep as well." Yeah. I say long enough, um, but in the end, we we shuffled it forward to July, which wrongly or rightly, it's it's just the way that it is. Yeah. Um, and we rec as we rec we're recording this now on the eleventh of May. Yeah. So you've got. 10 weeks. And how, how is training going? Just in a nutshell, how is training going? And how is... <laughs> so, decided I was running, running in July, um, in December, was yeah. when the wife was like, right, we're all in, let's do it. I've got your back, happy days, I'll support you. Yeah. January started doing some basic foundation work and spoke to my coach and said, we'll start end of February, proper prep. Second week of February, I think it was, because I got back from Costa Rica in the second week yeah. of January. So like, give me a month to find my feet, get my business all in line, blah, blah, blah. Grade three ruptured my MCL, grade two tore my LCL in February, end of February. That's not good prep. That's not good prep in jiu-jitsu. Um, then went on an aggressive rehab, uh, protocol from last week of February. And I had to be by my team safely and effectively because I still needed time to prep. I had to be running by the second week of April. I completed a marathon in the first week of April then in training a, a training marathon without prep yeah so i was yeah. doing it in support of somebody else's charity event all right so, so I went, actually at an event yeah so i oh, went no. josh peterson who's doing the 76 yeah, yeah. marathons he came to norwich as one of his cities right. i'd been running for like two weeks doing 20 minutes here 20 minutes yeah. there just getting feedback from what the mcl was saying it seemed to be doing okay then went out with the idea of time on my feet see how i get on we crossed the marathon I was really happy the following week, 
I ran a 75k trail race, which was the furthest unbroken distance I've ever run, right. which is crazy when you think about the 250s, but yeah. 74.6 was Jordan's long day, so it's 0.4 right. shorter than my PB. So that gave me the the mental tick of I'm not rehabbing anymore. Right. It's not broken. You know, you know there's a, there's a mental An incredible like recovery. The recovery's period, been phenomenal. Like fair play to you. you've done um, your homework. Yeah, we had to work hard for it, but the fact is I was already locked in for July. Yeah. And I just look at it a lot of the time. I'm like it's a test. This is the biggest test that I'm asking for in many ways and putting myself out there for. And if you want it enough, you don't get it for free. And I feel like it's many things. Life in the universe works like that. It's like, if you want it, you've got to prove it sometimes. And sometimes you prove it by just sheer grit and determination and effort. And sometimes yeah. you're going to get barriers. And it's, I've had a couple of barriers with this one where yeah. I would have been well within my rights to go, all right, I get it. I'm done. Yeah. But even now, it's easy for me to say now, but if I don't complete this run, say for whatever reason I don't even end up on the day one, there's another lockdown, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I have already grown phenomenally, or more so in this process already, than I expected to through the whole event. Yeah. Through being constantly told no yeah. by companies when you're asking for money and support. And in my world of social media, it's always people coming to you trying to throw money at you to do something. So being on the other end of yeah, it and having yeah. to build an I've event idea, is, I've got this thing, is phenomenally yeah. humbling to get used to no's, yeses, maybes, how to sell your idea more effectively, run a business and create an event, how to work day to day running two businesses, trying to create an event, trying to raise money for a charity whilst trying to raise money for a company, whilst yeah. trying to be a husband and a, a family member yeah, yeah. and all these kind of different things going on. And then he chucked the injury in there. And I'm like, cool, it's another opportunity yeah. to say, can I? And I now look at it and I'm like, how cool is that story? You know, yeah. you get to the end of it, this documentary will come out and it will start with an MRI scan, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is what you can do if you look at things as an opportunity rather than an excuse to get out, you and know? Things don't have to be perfect. They don't have to, to be. Work, yeah. It's... Yeah. It's far too often that people will get an injury in life and they will indulge in that yeah. feeling of what's been taken away from them rather than what they can learn from. Yeah. And my recovery process now is 5 million percent better through indulging in that injury in a positive way, going, yeah. how can I improve blood flow to that area? How can I make that knee more stable? How can yeah. I make it more robust while still building yeah. and trying not for this side to compensate so hard? Yeah. And it, it teaches you to learn. And my knowledge level has gone up exponentially yeah. In, yeah, from, a situa yeah. from a situation that would be seen as a, a negative situation. Yeah. And yes, yeah. I'm going to turn up less prepped physically than I want to but then I feel like I'm going to get that I know I'm going to get the moment where I fundamentally realize that I am not as physically prepped as I would yeah. like to be but you're probably more where, mentally resilient from dealing with the hopefully injury. but we'll For get sure. there and I'll arrive at that moment and there will be this weird smile that will come across my face and I'll be like right this is the lesson that I now get to receive yeah. and go through because I'm not as prepped as what I would. And if I'd been able to prep in the way that I yeah. wanted to, I would miss that lesson, you know? Yeah. So 
Yeah, I want I want to I want to um, ask and, and give you. I'm going to tee it up for you. But the to finish with, um, what's the biggest lesson that's for life mm. that you feel you've gained out of um, doing ultra style events? But before you answer the question, just to plant that seed, that's what we'll finish on. Okay. With the. Um, so we need some anticipation. But with the. Because um, it's quite a big question, so I thought I'd give you a bit of space for it. Yeah, cool. With. Um, I reached out when you. Because I'd seen you announce the like Land's End John O'Groats run, then seen you do your knee, yeah. and I was like, those two things don't work out. They like, don't that, work. That is a, and then and um, and then could see you literally like I remember you you I don't know it was, you posted a video that was like after I don't know if it was like the next day or whatever it was and you would like you were getting on with your rehab and I was like okay he's he's he's, he's going at it still because he's got to try it so I was like so I reached out and said look there's um, the whole we did a little session on breath holding where it's like you can maintain some. Um, conditioning in terms yeah. of how your body like utilizes oxygen and deals with carbon dioxide that you would potentially lose during that rehab period where you can't push you can't yeah, go and push yeah, the body yeah. with some with some breath holding so we did a little session like um and fair play to you like you've took some of that and integrated it into some of your 100%. um stuff i'm just interested for people that was brand new remember the yeah that session it, it was, was like fairly new and it was fairly like Whoa, terrifying what's going on here absolutely terrifying. But just for people that are, yeah like what, um, what was your experience of a that sort of session and that like dose of co2 that just went woof hold on a minute what's going on here and the knock-on effect how are you then yeah i've done you, we talked about some of the walking breath holes that you've done and... yeah so that session was as humbling if not more humbling than my first 200k when i did the sri lanka one the 250 because when you reached out and we'd had a conversation, I was scratching at yeah. the box. You'd been that taping tiny, your mouth and you'd come across. I tried it. taping, at but night. but the yeah. thing is, is like the taping at the mouth comes down to a few practical elements. You're laid next to your partner. When do you put the tape on? <laughs> what kind of tape am I you using? You get very good at communicating in. Mm -mm, yeah. Mm -mm. So it was like <laughs> there was looking. a few <laughs> practical issues that were yeah. causing me to not be consistent with it. Okay. Right. So then I can't remember. But I listened to a podcast, I believe, which had someone on talking about that sort of yeah. stuff. And I'd used the Wim Hof stuff because I used the ice baths and everything. I was like, there's too much, you know, when there's like too much noise around a, a subject for you to avoid it. And I'm yeah. like, there's got to be something in okay. this that I need to explore yeah. because I thought it would be beneficial, obviously. Yeah. So um, it's James Nestor book, Brief. Yeah. I, I always get it wrong. Oh, breath. breath. I always get it wrong with the E. Dyslexic yeah, I mind. I can't remember if it's got an E on the end of it. It's the worst. The breathing is the worst thing to be involved if you're dyslexic. I'm yeah, prepared, mate. It's stupid. The E's diaphragm, diaphragm. Yeah, but basically, I listened to his book and it blew my mind. Yeah. Like, utterly blew my mind. And yeah, I was yeah, like, I'm in now. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things you can't put it down. It's not. As in, you can put the book down, but you can't take that out of. There's you've a, learned something. There you was cannot a, unhear. That's it. There's a thought process that came into my being that was so consciously on the surface because you breathe every single day multiple times that I was. Because I had it as an audio book and I bought it as a hard book or hard, a softback like, as, as a physical, physical cue, yeah. right? And, and I, I put that in my bedroom, bedroom which, which sounds really strange, strange but. There's put it there and then so that you so i would it. see it and go 
Uh, okay. to breathe. I thought so you meant see it so then you'd listen to it. No, so I listened to the book and it was so eye-opening to me that I was like, you have these books where you listen to them and you're like, you don't want to forget the information that's in there. And with that book in itself, having a physical cue reminded me to nasal breathe. So I put it in the bedroom. So every single time I get up in the morning, I walk past it at eye line. Straight away, I'm like, remember, it's still there now, still there, and it will be there until the end of time. Um, and I'll probably never read the book again, but it opened something up, and it was like a thread. And then we had the session, and how phenomenal and terrible I felt at the same time from that one session, considering you know, it was a workout from a, in, in a very, very low state. Yeah, so and in, in for people like knee was you were early stage of rehab. It was like you could turn the legs on a bike, but you couldn't work. I, I couldn't know, elevate heart rate. Cadence, massively, so we, yeah. wasn't much. Yeah. So we, you know, we couldn't do the work. So what we did was hold the breath after a normal exhale, so that the body was going to be starting to get a little bit starved of oxygen, like it would do if, if you were working hard and accumulate more CO two, like you're working it, really yeah. hard. Yeah. So, so we, we did, did that, that, and that, that was. It was probably a little bit unfair of me in that just <laughs> of like, I'm like, it's, it's Leon, he knows what he's doing. Right. He's, 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 he's done some hard things. He can take a bit of a, like, I gave you, we went quite hard quite early. I probably yeah. I didn't really tell but you it was, that. Like, I wouldn't normally, that wouldn't be less than one, one for, someone, <laughs> for someone else. But I was like, right, we'll just he's go. He's got a bit of skin in the game. Straight in. Yeah, 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 and it was, it was savage. Um, but not savage, like I'm laying there panting like a dog. Yeah, yeah, I've just, just done Fran, you know, yeah, in a CrossFit uh, yeah. family would be like, oh, yeah, I get it, it's Fran. Um, but it was so hard, like so hard to do something so simple. Um, so coming away from that, going into some very simple, practical day-to-day things of trying to do breath holds while walking, I tape my mouth. I got actual proper tape now where I tape every single night. And this tape was just like the M3 surgical, 3M, sorry, from um, Boots. And it's... Other outlets are available. And they are, yeah. But the the thing is, is like, I feel like certain things for everybody comes into their life at certain points for the right reasons, right? And like, there'll be people who will listen to this podcast and listen to me talking about doing ultras and going, no, he's, he's... messed up not in a million years but they could come back to this in four years time and go i'm ready now i'm going to listen to that episode and i feel like the breathing for me came in and out in and out and then when it came then was a moment where i feel like i needed it and it was probably because i was incapacitated physically i needed something else to grip to that was still going to be able to this help the thing me and be practical some of the like the everything is time work with where it's like injury is a great opportunity because one of the bad things about injury is like psychologically being injured is difficult. Rehab yeah. is difficult. I was talking to a, a, a female, uh, England plays for England rugby, and like during, she was like, oh, I haven't had much time. She was actually doing a certification with me, and she was, um, they'd had their, they'd had their um, big game at the weekend, and she was like, during camp, whilst I'm there, it's like, I've been doing some rehab, so like, when you're doing rehab, you get no days off in that type of environment because there's all the stuff going on normally. Then you've got to do all your rehab stuff as well. Yeah, so sure. There's, but there's an element when we're injured where you can't do what you normally do. Mentally, that can be quite hard. And also, like, sometimes, I mean, added with the sort of brain injury things where it really stops you doing anything at all because you, yeah, you can't function. Sure. 
being given something that I can do, like a breathing exercise. Like, this happens to do that. Feels it's just giving me something that I feel is going to help. It is is mentally really helpful as well. I think to be honest, the biggest thing that we're all fighting for, whether it be injury, work-life progression, having the life that we want, and being in in a spot where we feel comfortable or connected, I guess, is control. And control, I always say that everything, the way that I coach, the way that I live is controlling the controllable factors. Life will happen, things will happen, but you have to distinguish what it is about, what's just happened that you can control, and what isn't yours. And a lot of the time when it comes to injuries, people think if they force it enough, and they get annoyed enough, and they try hard enough, focusing on this injury, that it will get better. But most of the time, with like my diagnosis with my MCL was it could be six weeks it could be six months it could be a year and a half you could potentially you know there was a conversation that I might not ever be able to go back and do jiu-jitsu again because of the external rotation and the downward pressure of people trying to get past knee shields and stuff like that so I sat there and was like I could sit here and spiral and worry about all of that or I can go right do everything that I possibly can, divert my energy and frustration into all of the things that I can do and do them as best as I possibly could. And that's where your breathing work came in. And now I tape every single night. I focus on less is more, breathing through the nose. And it's helped my jiu-jitsu conditioning. It's helped my mental health 100% through that injury rehab process. And now it's massively helping my running as well. And it's it's been epic. Yeah. And this is just the start. Yeah. Well, um, let's just finish with, I think, because I love, I feel like you're going to have something for us. That, there we go. Know, for the, but just for the, for the conversations that we've had before this, during this, that there's, there's a depth to the conversation and yep. a depth to you that I love. Um, and that the, you know, the, the run or any of the things you've done has not been, about trying to win it all the time or the whatever no. it's it's part of the thing but it's like there's more to it and there is 100 percent. is there anything that you could highlight for us that is beneficial for either your life or potentially everyone's life that you've learned through adversity those <laughs> yeah, those 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 challenges Cause you, don't, you don't have to do any of those running you things, don't but we choose to do those things and we Sometimes it's difficult to know exactly why it is where we choose to do them, but... Do you know what? I think there's two major things that maybe people don't feel the same as me. You know, I'm different to many people in some ways and everyone's their own, I say, individual butterfly. But in a world, first of all, in a world that feels riddled with a lack of choice, it's really quite freeing when you make a decision and it's and you get to choose to do something and something's not chosen for you, right? Because at the end of the day, life fundamentally comes down to two things, choose or it's chosen for you. And I feel like the more times you choose to do something, whether it be good, bad or ugly, it's going to have a net positive effect in your life more so than like it's the same as an example when you look at it with your friendship friendship circles if you're the person who's always making the plans you're going to get annoyed because you're the planner 
but you're, you're still going to you're going to do stuff that's fun and you enjoy it yeah. at the end of the day because you're getting to choose it yeah but if you're just sat there being pulled left right and center from all of your friends doing all the stuff that they want to do it's great you're just there but you're constantly getting your cup emptied and going well what do i get from this yeah. and i feel like life is very simple in in that kind of sense yeah. that Sometimes I think you should choose things that aren't always easy and definable because it teaches you more about yourself. Yeah. Um, and then on the second element, I think the biggest thing that it's, it's removed, which is really scary but really liberating, is the, the limit. The preconceived limit that we all have is set in so many different layers in so many different ways everybody again <clears throat> is <clears throat> completely individual but we all have this rooftop of what we believe our yeah. abilities are and yeah. for like, some people oh, i could never do that it, exactly right you know, so, well, only my, I don't know, you, we might, you actually might and, be able to and this is where it's scary is that just through this last two-year block of my life i see every element of my life, the way that I run my business, the risks I take day to day in, in, in good ways that have been positive, the, the way in which that I approach my training, my parenthood, my relationship, everything has been changed fundamentally because now I don't see a limit to my capacity in those areas in life. And it's not a case of I'm trying to build a million dollar business or anything like that don't have value for financial success you need money money flows it's just it's just one of those things that we have to understand but i will now make decisions based on do i want to do it or do i not do i need to do it or do i not is now a very different situation whereas everything used to feel very pressured and very well i need to get to this point and that's it, then I'm going to be comfortable. And I've just suddenly, it's a bit like we're in the Truman Show and someone's just opened the backstage door and gone, but there's all this out there. It's now just for up to you to decide whether you want it or you want to do it or you want to head towards it or not. And I think once you walk through that door of the limiting, whether it be limiting beliefs, the limiting associations you have around you, or you do enough things that galvanize your mind and build enough belief i guess or build enough evidence that you can do more then it's terrifying like i wake up every single day and there's there's a guy running the length of africa at the moment and i'm like yeah he's, he's called like the hardest geezer or something he's a really funny ginger lad who's running from south to north america and the areas of which the way that i feel now which is scary is i look at that and I respect him greatly, but I'm not scared by the prospect of that. I wouldn't want to do it personally myself, but I don't go, I couldn't. I just look at it and go, I don't think I'd want to do that. It's when your mind gets unlocked to this level, it's a case of I am going to get humbled. I am going to get hurt. I am going to get brought down to my level at some point with these things. But you just get, yeah, you get into this point where the blinkers come off and you suddenly go, nothing's a no. It's just a case of if it matters enough. Yeah. you know and that's yeah no, both love, exciting and scary yeah i love i love that notion of like choose or make a choice or, or be, be chosen, chosen for you because yeah. it, it feels like almost different words for the same thing of like that difference between are you really living or are you just existing yeah like we talked about that before yeah now. i, I think, think that, that resonates deeply with me i think so i think 
What people don't understand is that life happens consistently around them, whether they like it or not, right? If you, if you go to bed, it's never, it's, it's always going to come and it's either going to be good, bad or ugly. And the, and the thing that a lot of people don't understand or don't grip is that it's a choice for it to be good, bad or ugly in its simplest sense. Because you can wake up with a positive mindset and go, I'm going to take control of that today. I'm going to do something that puts me in a positive frame of mind. Or you can get up, moan, hate the fact that your alarm's gone off, lay there and snooze it, watch a shit ton of social media instead of getting on with your day, and you can put yourself in a negative frame of mind. And what, you know? I, what and I love about that, that, that whole thing of like life happening, whether you choose A or B... It's still happening. Still happening, and tomorrow is still going to come. It's, it's, it's exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's... Um, yeah, they're probably the two biggest things that I've yeah. learnt thus far. If you ask me again on the 7th of August, yeah, it'll be something yeah. different, I'm sure. Um, well, no, um, I want to like, tell people where they can find you, where we can follow what's going yeah, on. So where can I find the route so I can try and figure yeah, out? Yeah, so I will, I will give you the route specifically. Um, but the t Monday, the 26th of July, we'll be starting up in John O'Groats. And we'll be all things being well. 14 days later on the 6th of August, we'll be arriving in Land's End, right down south. Um, like I say, 14 days. We're running downhill, then. We're running downhill, but it's a hillier route, apparently. It's, it's around. <laughs> it's one of those stupid things. That you do feel it, like Scotland's mentally, just, it feels like it's down. Mentally, it feels like it's downhill, but apparently the total elevation is higher going from north to south. Ooh. Figure that one out. So it's meant to be the harder route, but I didn't know any of that. I, it doesn't matter. It's, like, it's, it's not easy. Of, it's basically going to be actually it, You're plucking at straws. Yeah. Um, and we are going to be aiming, the average distance each day is 92.5 kilometers. So we're going to start with four back-to-back -back days at 100, four back-to-back -back days at 95, and then we're going to gradually get lower. That is like, if everything goes to plan, I will be utterly shocked. Like, utterly shocked. I am preparing to walk through nights. I am preparing to have days where I feel like it might end up being like a damage limitation days where I can I have to force myself to do 50k and then we have to start changing where we might sleep and we might have to you know there's going to be so many things that are going to change many idiots like me that said oh yeah I'll come and do a day with a few yeah I've, not many people who said they'll do a day I'll try understandably you know I've got a good training um event for you oh go on 8th of July it's not too close is it how far is it Snowden 24 so you run up Snowden as many times as you can in 24 hours. Yeah, that would be too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> that's how I've just recently signed up. That would be, like, be great. To, like, focus it. I've got, like, I don't want anything... This sounds a bit silly, doesn't it? I don't want anything too crazy. That sounds crazy. Well, the, well it, it sounds crazy, but it's also as well... It's some training for me. It's also as well, it's, it's not a certain amount you have to do. When you've no, got a 24-hour yeah. window, it's something where you can chip away at it at your own... Everest, own. Everesting <laughs> it is doing it 10 times, yeah. which is ridiculously fast to do that in 10 times um seven times the kilimanjaro which i think is what i would be quite happy with yeah that'd be cool that'd be fun well that'll be way too close for me for the event but um yeah there's going to be a lot it's going to be an adventure um it's going to be documented so get the sponsor and get the sponsors on board yeah that'd be great anyone who wants to get involved would be fantastic i'm obviously raising money for the real charity as well which is great um 
And yeah, like right now, it's hard because we've already, you see how definitively I can speak about all of my experience to this moment. Yeah. But with this one, you're catching this conversation at quite a beautiful time because it's like, I don't have much. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so That's much. The there's still so much uncertainty. And if I could give the audience anything at the end of this podcast, it would be the fact that the way that I feel exactly at this moment about what I've got to come, yeah. I felt exactly the same about my first 250 and I felt exactly the same about my 50 two years ago. Yeah. And it just shows that evolution of mind yeah. and physical capabilities, what you can unlock, those entry levels just change. And it was at the time that I looked at the 50, a marathon was terrifying. Now that I'm staring down the, the barrel of this, a marathon feels like an easy training run, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's and it's not through being cocky no, no, or it's cool. it's trying cool to be really the, fast. Yeah. It's just mentally you sh shift yeah. from one place to the other. And people can have that from having never done any swimming before. And then suddenly they go and do a triathlon two years later and they're like, but two years ago, I couldn't even yeah. link anything. And you do. And you remember and that. all of that, yeah. that, that process, that what we want naturally is an upward curve, right? There's always going to be ripples, but we always want a natural upward curve, whether we like to admit it or not. And it doesn't matter in what aspect of our life. But for me, that feeling of physical and mental capabilities, if I focus on that area and it's an upward curve constantly, it, it spreads out into all the other areas of my life that I need the benefit most. And well, it I just makes me feel... the positive influence you're having on other people that are watching the journey and, and seeing that yeah. as you go as you say you had a lot of messages and it's that, been I, wonderful. Was one, I was one of those people yeah yeah and it's oh, um cool. and it feels great you know it, it, it feels it feels great to be doing something that you're just passionate about and it might not make sense to people but they get it in, in do you know what i mean in, yeah, it, yeah. It, as much as it doesn't make sense and it's like i'm never gonna fucking do that yeah. but i'm like but you might go and lace yeah, your, yeah. lace up and go for a 20 minute run or, you or, or might, just something. You might go and reconnect with that family member you haven't spoken to for 10 years because you're yeah. seeing that this guy's turning around and just getting after it. You know, there's, yeah. there's, yeah. there's something for everyone yeah. in, in challenge and commitment and discipline and consistency, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And some other person's, you know, my joggle yeah. could be another person's going and walking in the gym yeah. that they've been hesitating on for 10 years and for I think me that's a key takeaway for people to be like don't listen to the comp the 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 tool you're using is is running and an ultra running don't hone in too much on that try to like zoom out when you're listening to be yeah. like okay where is what's my yeah what's your everest what, you know yeah, is what, the, the, yeah, what's yeah, yeah. what's your version of what of i'm that, doing yeah. like it and that's it, only specific to the person. And that's where I think 100%. it can be so, that's where it becomes, yeah, so powerful. Where can, where can people follow the journey <clears throat> so towards? Is, predominantly, is the best place? yeah, the best Instagram's place? the best place. I put a lot more of my own personal stuff on my personal Instagram, which is at Leon Busty. Um, you will obviously be able to find me on the Lean Machines official as well. There will be some stuff going on YouTube, but realistically, a lot of the event, is when you will start to see the grand amount of content yeah. of what's going on. I share a lot of stories about my training and yeah. bits and pieces. and um, But well, on the actual event, yeah. there will be a roundup every single day, okay. video every day, and then there will be the documentary that yeah. will be available afterwards. So get following on Insta. We'll put the links <clears> in the show notes below. So get following Leon on Instagram. And if you're following on Instagram, then you're going to see how to 
follow along when the event actually yeah yeah you'll up. see everything that you need if you want to come that. and try and come and <laughs> run a one kilometer yeah well whatever. this is the thing is like some people are coming and running 10 and well, some people bring you a croissant or what, what's it. your favorite treat there's a good oh, show what's your favorite a jam treat? sandwich a really really is that it jam sandwich sal salty butter and a ton of jam on a bit of sourdough oh, is like some high a quality good, a good quality piece of bread um, and also as well, it sounds really random. Oh no, you said Snickers. And, it's, and I love Snickers. Snickers in there, in the sandwich? Cool, melt it in, it's got a really <laughs> okay. messed up, <laughs> like a diabetic small. Yeah. It'd be great. Um, but yeah, like you can what do- What I love most about the event, like a long event is like just, it's an eating competition basically. It's, it's basically, it's, it's an eating competition on the move, isn't it? Yeah. And well, I'm gonna have to eat a lot of calories, but <laughs> we'll see, I'll just be chugging down olive oil <laughs> come day three, it'd be great. <laughs> awesome mate thank you so much for uh, yeah, taking the time to meet and uh, do it in in the in the person look at this it's been a pleasure it's been fun thank you